Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I sit down with Sahara Rose. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. So a little background on Sahara. She actually just finished um, the book, The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, which will be coming out this coming August. Uh, She is certified in Ayurveda, holistic and sports nutrition, and she really specializes in how to make Ayurveda fit into the Western world. So we had great discussion all about the doshas. We deep dove into each individual dosha. We talked about the nutrition, um, how you can recognize what dosha you might be. We talked about her quiz, which is on eatfeelfresh.com. It's a great quiz if you really want to know your dosha. Um, I would even recommend taking that quiz before you listen to this interview because uh, it really will help you understand some of the terms that we use because we went deep and I loved it and I hope you guys get so much out of it because Ayurveda is something that has really shifted and changed my life the past um, few years, kind of deep diving into it. And I want you guys to get as much out of it as you can and learn how you can incorporate it into your life, even if you hear it for the first time today and don't start making the changes for another you know, year or so. That's kind of what I did. Like I heard about Ayurveda probably about four or five years ago now and didn't really do anything with it until recently. And so sometimes it's kind of getting those things to sink in before you really are, you know, look into this down the road, which Sahara actually had the same um, kind of thing happen to her. And she discusses that journey as well. So if this is your first introduction to it, or if you've just want a refresher, this is a great show to listen to. So without further ado, here is today's interview. Today I am here with Sahara Rose, and I'm super excited because we are going to talk Ayurveda, and she's going to go a little bit more in depth about what it is. Um, I found her over on Instagram, and I'm very excited to get to know her a little bit more. So how are you doing today, Sahara? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here in the Peaceful Power podcast and just really excited to get to know you and talk more about Ayurveda and everything with your tribe. Yes. Oh, I cannot wait. So tell everyone a little bit more about your background. And I'm also curious too, to get to know you a little bit more. Sure. Um, well, I am a holistic nutritionist. I am the author of the upcoming Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, which is going to be out in bookstores everywhere this summer. Um, I am most known for blending ancient Eastern health systems with modern Western nutritional science. I kind of started off with my own healing journey. I was a diehard raw vegan for a year and trying so many different diets and types of eatings and always had digestive issues, eating disorders, so many things going on with food. Um, until I studied, until I discovered Ayurveda, which I'll share with you more about how that kind of happened. And then since then, I've just been really passionate about bringing it to people's lives in a way that's just simple and easy. Mm, Yes. And I know you also do some cooking or I see on your Instagram stories. What is that? Are you like in a nutrition or culinary school? Yes. So I'm actually also a full-time raw vegan culinary student at Matthew Kenny's um, Culinary School. So that is something that I had always wanted to do. And for a long time, I had to, from being a raw vegan, I had to completely stop eating raw foods. And now that I've built up my digestive fire again, I can integrate them back into my lifestyle. So I'm celebrating. And now um, I meant to take just the first course just for myself. And I just fell in love with the art of it. If you've ever seen like Matthew Kenny's work or like my stuff on Instagram, it's very artistically plated. It's and super I just, cute. <laughs> yeah, I just fell in love with that means of expression because I've always been, I'm a Vata, I'm super Vata, so I've always been an artist. And I love just 
the mindfulness of like really being careful about where every herb goes, every spice goes and letting that food be just like a spiritual experience. So now I'm in my advanced levels and just loving it. Wow. So how long of a program is this? Um, I, each level is one month, so I'm going to be doing the first three. So three months. Okay. Wow. Yeah. No, I love, cause I see all those perfectly plated. Like that's probably my downfall just in general. I just, I'm like, here we go and we'll eat it. <laughs> Girl, before I took this, like I wouldn't use a knife. I would use my mouth. I would just like take something, bite into it and spit it off. Like whatever. I'm, I'm the only one eating it. Like I was not a chef in any oh. way. So oh, wow. Anyone can learn. <laughs> that, that's very impressive then. It gives me hope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so then how did you get interested in Ayurveda? How did that come into your story? Sure. Um, so I went, did Institute of Integrative Nutrition like six years ago. And I was always just kind of interested in like health and the right way of eating, et cetera. But the first way of eating that sort of fell into my lap was raw veganism. I did David Wolf's raw vegan course. And um, it just really made sense to me that like, if you don't cook your food, it's more nutritional, therefore only eat raw foods. And at this time I was living in Boston. I went to Boston University. So I was living off of just like smoothies all day and salads and coconut water. And then over time, you know, my body just started to kind of deteriorate. Like at, at the beginning, I felt really good and I had a lot of energy, but over time I was just cold constantly. And I live in Boston. It was like a very cold place, but I was like shivering down to my bones to the point that I couldn't sleep at night because I was just so cold. And I always have had really like great skin. It's like the thing that people compliment me on. And then suddenly people were like, are you okay? You don't really look like you're doing as well. And like my face had sunken in and so I stopped getting my period. I got off birth control and I didn't get my period and it had been a year, still no period at all. And just all of these things, I was constantly bloated, constantly constipated, no matter how much fiber I ate, things weren't moving. So it was like this diet that I believed in so much just wasn't working for me and I didn't, I didn't want to face it. So I had been traveling in India back and forth at that time. I was doing volunteer work in health and san sanitations in the slums of New Delhi. So while I was there in my IIN course, I had heard about Ayurveda and I've always just loved quizzes. I love like personality quizzes and this and that. And there was a quiz in Ayurveda. So I was like, oh, that's fun. Like maybe while I'm in India, I'll visit an Ayurvedic practitioner. And it, I thought it was like a psychic, you know, I thought like, she'll take my pulse and like, tell me a few cool things. And like, it would just be like a cool mystical experience. So I went and she, she did these things. She asked me about my dreams, this, that, like things that normal doctors just do not ask you. And then she told me if I continued eating this way, I would be infertile. I would get osteoporosis and I was at risk for a, neuro a neurological disease like Alzheimer's or something like that because my brain basically was not getting enough fuel. And that's why, like I, I got to the point that I was fainting while exercising because my blood pressure was so low. Oh my gosh. So yeah, basically everything that I was doing was not working for me. So I asked her, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? She's like, well, you have to eat the ghee and the dal and the rice. And I was like, no, 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 absolutely not. Like, <laughs> I am a raw vegan, okay? I don't do ghee and rice and dal. Like, those are the three things I will never do. So I sort of just discarded everything she said and was like, oh, wow, she's like 5,000 years behind. <laughs> and then, like, went on with my life. And then over the course of the next few months, all of the things she said slowly started happening. Still, I was going to my second year of not having my period. I was, 
I had lost so much weight that I was 88 pounds and I'm five foot four. Like I was just like my, I did not look healthy and I was blocking at that time. And people were like, girl, like, do you eat any of the foods you make? And I was, I was eating so much, but my body could not even like take any of the nutrients of the foods that I was eating. So I was like, okay, well, how can I sort of like integrate this Ayurveda ladies things, things into my life, but like still eat at least vegan. It doesn't have to be raw, but at least vegan. So I started trying and kind of researching about Ayurveda and how can I make it work? Maybe instead of rice, I can do quinoa. Maybe instead of ghee, I can do coconut oil. And then maybe instead of like these dolls, I can just do like green simple lentils and just kind of like making my own little version of it. And then I started kind of doing that with my clients and just seeing how they would respond because before my meal plans were raw. And I was like, hey, well, maybe do you want to try this? And they were having really great results too. So I was like, oh my God, there's like, a lot to this. So (laughs) I went back to India, um, where I ended up spending the next two years studying Ayurveda along one-on-one alongside a doctor outside of New Delhi and learning everything there is to know, not just about Ayurveda, the nutritional system, but about the spiritual and medical system and all of the facets that it pertains. And during this time, I was like, I'm going to make an ebook for my blog. And I called it Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type. And I thought it was going to be like a 20-page ebook, ended up being 50, 100,000 pages. I had thousands of pages of material that I had written and no publisher, no idea what to do with it. Flash forward. Then that went on for like another two years of writing this book, deciding what to do. And then finally I got a literary agent for that book. And this is the most weird serendipitous part of all. Um, I signed with this literary agent to release that book that I had spent so much time writing. And then two days after I signed with her, she gets a call from the Idiot's Guide group. You know how they have like Idiot's Guide? Gardening, Idiot's Guide to Riding Your Bike, Idiot's Guide to Everything. And they were like, hey, we're just looking for someone to write the Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. Do you happen to know anyone? Oh my gosh. So she's like, well, one of my new clients is trying to write an Ayurveda book. I'll put you guys in touch. And they're like, okay, we had an author, but it was too much work and she quit. And we, the deadline of this book is still in two months. Mind you, this is a 400 page textbook. Oh my gosh. So they were like, okay, well, she has till the end of the week and she can send the table of contents. And they sent me the table of contents that the previous author had written. And they were like, she can just edit it around and see how she would do it. And like, I just went into full, full on pit mode at this time. And I was like changing everything in the same day I sent it back. And it was a totally different table of contents because I had written about the subject for the past two years that I had known how to talk about it. And then they were like, okay, well then she has another week to write the first chapter. Again, I did it that same day and they were like, okay, she's hired. So yeah, I spent the next two months writing that book and it's going to be out this summer. And yeah, now Ayurveda chose me. I did not choose it. So that's basically how it came to be. That is the coolest and craziest story. <laughs> yeah. So I really think like whatever your dharma is on this planet, it will, it will happen to you as long as you listen to the signals. Oh, that is amazing. So how long did you work on this book then? I had two months to write it. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, I was writing. I mean, I was like, I wrote it from November and it was due on Christmas. I turned in a little early too, but I was writing 14 hours a day. Wow. That is Um, intense. Yeah. And especially because I could not use any of the same wording, like even a sentence structured the same way as my own book because copyright laws and publishing are so strict. Oh, wow. So, Because at first when I said yes, I was like, oh, easy. I'll just kind of change around the wording of my book. 
no, 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 not at all. And if you've ever read an idiot's guide, they're also written in a very specific way. Like every page and a half, it has to say like, did you know, or like definition. And it has to actually be written for someone who has no idea about the subject. Whereas my book was more written for people who probably know a bit about nutrition and yoga and stuff like that. Whereas this, I had to like break down everything. So it was cool. It was a great experience. So what was the most challenging part of that process? Um, well, the best part about the process that I am not a very structured person. I'm very flowing. And when I wrote my book, Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type, the original book, I didn't have like an end goal. I didn't know what it was going to look like. So that is why it took me two years because I would like just start one day, just go on a tangent, like write all about like coffee and like write about these things. Whereas for this, I had to stick to that table of contents that I had written and submitted to them. I could not change it at all. And that table of contents had even the paragraphs broken down. So that made the writing process a lot faster because I knew exactly what I had to write. And a lot of times I wanted to write more, but I was under, you know, each chapter has to be 12 to 15 pages and there has to be 26 chapters. Da, da, da. I was under such strict guidelines that I had to get it done. And that, and that really sped up the process. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of like a school project all over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like luckily I really like to write, but if you, if someone didn't, I don't recommend writing an idiot's guidebook. <laughs> <laughs> so could you tell us more about your time in India? Like what were some of the best things that you learned or maybe discovered about yourself while you were there? Oof, wow. Um, so I spent four years in, like going back and forth to India. It's like really like spent many past lives there, I think, mm -hmm. because going to India for me is like going home. It's like going to this place that I had spent so much time and I'm finally getting back to. And India, if you've ever been, it's a huge dichotomy, you know, it's so beautiful and there's palaces and jewels and the most amazing service. And at the same time, it's hideous and there's hatred. And I was almost raped. Like there are so many horrible things that happen there. So, um, one of the most amazing parts was, you know, just discovering Ayurveda, going to the slums, everyone welcoming you with such open arms. I have, if I were to go to, you know, downtown LA and was like, guys, I'm here to teach you something. Like no one would listen to me, but there they're like, sure. Like let's <laughs> around and listen to what this random stranger has to say and like that is what is so amazing about India oh that is very cool yeah I've never been there but I've had some friends go there um yeah. some for yoga and others um like back in high school they went and they had said the same thing it's just a very interesting dynamic of like really really like beautiful places and then not so beautiful places yes and it's and it's really like your manifestation powers in India are like on point like I went to India right after I had written my first book and I was teaching a retreat there and it was like a yoga Ayurveda kind of retreat. And we get there and do you know the herb company Organic India? Mm -hmm. They do like so many herbs. Turns out the person who owns the land is the founder of Organic India. So like every day he would like show us like where he grew the herbs of Organic India and like all oh these things. I was like, what the? And like give us all consultations and stuff. Like it was incredible. That is, oh, that is so awesome. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sure you get to meet many people then, you know, getting to do that too and going on retreats. Oh, yes, for sure. I, I've, I feel like whenever I lead a retreat, I just led one in Costa Rica right now. And it's like the people who need to be there end up there. Like ev everyone realizes at the end, it's like, oh, like this is why you're there for like the collective whole. Mm, yes. I just got back from a 
um, kind of like a mini retreat in the beginning of March. And it was kind of the same thing. I'm like, I don't really know what I'm you know, going to get out of it. But by the end, you're like, oh yeah, I needed this. Oh, for sure. Even for the facilitators too. Like I undergo so much transformation, just holding the space. It's literally like a retreat for me too. Mm, yes. So I want to kind of break down Ayurveda a little bit into more simpler terms, especially since you're I just finished writing this book. Um, so for people out there, what are some of like the basics or need to knows about Ayurveda? Okay. So so Ayurveda is the world's oldest health system. It originated in ancient India, they say about 5,000 years ago, but no one really knows. Um, it is written before the Vedas, and the Vedas are the world's oldest text. So the Vedas, Veda means knowledge, and Ayur means life. So Ayurveda is the knowledge of life, meaning in order to be healthy, you must have a complete knowledge of your life. So it is an Upaveda, which is a secondary Veda, which means that it is related to yoga in a way. So yoga is the spiritual concept of becoming one with Brahma, becoming one with source, whereas Ayurveda is a little bit more in the physical plane, and it's saying, well, in order to practice yoga, in order to have the spiritual awakening, you have to heal your body because if your back hurts and you have digestive issues and all these aches and pains, you're not going to be able to like rise your consciousness, you know? So for Ayurveda, it's all about mind-body balance. To be a healthy person, you have to balance what's going on mentally with what's going on physically. Um, Ayurveda is based off of the natural five elements, which are fire, water, earth, air, and ether. Ether is space. Um, and from those five elements, they break it down into three doshas. Doshas are energies. Um, so the first one is vata, which is a combination of air and ether or space. Uh, the second is pitta, which is a combination of fire and water, which might sound a little like fire and water aren't those opposites, but I'll explain. And then kapha, which is a combination of earth and water. So we are all, all three of these doshas. We are all, all five elements, just like the planet it has all five of those elements, but we are each born with a varying amount that's like your DNA. That's like what the cards that you were handed when you were born. So, you know, you might've been born with brown eyes. She might've been born with blonde hairs. If you've ever had children before, you see your kids are born with even different personalities. Um, and that's in your DNA. So in Ayurveda, that's called your Prakriti. It's the dosha combination that you were born with. Then we have what's going on right now, like our diet, our exercise levels, our stress levels, where we live, all of these factors that you know come to play. And that's going to change what your doshic combination is. And that is called your vikruti, which is the doshic constitution that you have today. So I'll give an example as myself. So I was born more kapha, which is the earth water one. Um, and I'll explain more about how you can tell, but you can tell a lot what dosha someone is by how they look. So kafas are born with round faces. They have big eyes. They have full lips, thick hair, um, smooth skin. They almost look childlike. They look younger than what their age is because kafa is building energy. It's what we have in childhood. So I was born with more kafa. Kafas have really calm personalities. They get along with everyone. They're really good natured. Um, they like to work with their hands, which is probably why I'm in culinary school. Um, but then as I went on with my life, I was always overweight. and I didn't want to be overweight anymore. So I started going on diets and over-exercising and under-eating and becoming raw vegan and all of these things. 
So that made me become more vata, which is the airy, spacey one. So that's why I was feeling cold and dry and weak, and I was fainting because my body was, I'm not naturally meant to be that small. I'm not naturally one of those people who eats whatever they want and remains super skinny. That's not my property. That's not what I was born with. So imbalances of vata started showing up for me. So basically, if you are not eating and leading your lifestyle in the way that you were meant to, those imbalances are going to show up for you. And how are they going to show up for you? Depending on which dosha you are aggravating, if that makes sense. Yes, that totally makes sense. And that, yeah, I am primarily Pitta myself. So okay. I have the, I'm definitely some fiery tendencies that come out when I am a little off. Mm-hmm. So I always know that, you know, and the same with the hangry, like that was an incident that right after my husband and I got married, we experienced that um, <laughs> side effect. So yeah, once you kind of know that though, you kind of know what's going on and we, we know how to combat that. So can we break down the doshas even more into what exactly each one is and how people know what they are? I'm going to pretend like I don't know anything about this. For sure. Yeah. So Vata is the air and space one. I like to just call it the wind. Um, so the wind, if you think about what are the wind's characteristics? Well, cold, it's cold, it's moving, it's fluid. You don't really know which direction the wind is going to blow next. It's unpredictable. Um, It makes you chilly. It's dry. So whenever you think of vata, I just want you to think of the wind. Okay. Mm -hmm. And pitta, pitta is a combination of fire and water. And the reason is because those are the two most powerful elements. You know, if a house is burning down, the only thing that will help it is water. So you know, water can be really fluid and moving, but it can also be a tidal, na- a tidal wave or a tsunami or something like that. So fire and water put together is like superpower. It's like really on it. So Pitta, I like to just call it fire, but it's basically in charge of all transformation in the body. So anything that involves fire creates change. So digestion, you know, you eat your food, you digest it and you eliminate it fire, your metabolism, uh, your nutrient assimilation, anything that's performing a system of transformation is related to the pitta dosha. So every time I say pitta, think fire. And then kapha, which is earth and water. Um, But water takes on a different form when it's paired with earth. So if you think about the earth, the earth is calm, it is grounded, it is cool, if someone's really earthy, she's really chill. She's a boho, bohemian mama. She might talk like this. Like, kapas are like, you know, you're around them and like suddenly your energy is like, whoa, it grounds down. And that's what kapha is. Um, kapha takes in a lot. So a lot of people who are social workers or psychologists and things like that, they're kaphas because they can take on a lot of other people's energies and still be able to like hold their own. Um, but at the same time, what happens is if they take in, take in, take in, what, well, what happens physically if you keep taking in is weight, you gain weight. So kaphas are the more like, most likely to be overweight and also mentally um, depression because if you are constantly taking in other people's energies and you don't have a way of bringing it out, like vatas, you know, they'll like, move from one thing to another and they're like, oh, I don't have time for your problem and they're like, run away. My like, pittas will be like, okay, I've had enough. Like, your, your hour's up. Get on to the next one. Whereas kapas will be like, it's okay, I'm here. And then like, go like, eat, 
donuts in the bathroom by themselves. Like that's how Kafa's handled things. I just did a video on my YouTube channel about how like the three handle stress. Cause I love looking at Ayurveda in just like super modern ways. Like obviously in the like traditional Ayurvedic text, they're not like Kafa's eat donuts, but like that's <laughs> what it is right now. And like the more that we can see like, Oh, like, like last month I was feeling really kapha or right now I'm in a period of my life that I'm feeling pitta. These doshas are constantly fluid and they're, and they're moving. So a lot of people are like, well, what am I? And it's not this like indefinite thing. Like you are a vata and that's all you'll be for the rest of your life. Like you might have been born naturally more vata and airy or pitta and fiery or kapha and earthy, but that can change subject to your lifestyle. Mm. And what about tridosha? So very, very few people are tridoshic. Um, a lot of people are like, well, I relate to all three. Like, am I the one tridoshic person? And it's like, probably not. Um, it's like saying like, like you can't be born with equal amounts of, of anything, you know, like different, different doshas will show up in different parts of your body. So you might be like very vata in your mind and maybe have a pitted digestive system, but then maybe, I don't know, something else about you is cough and that totally makes sense, but we will never be all very, very rarely be all three in equal amounts. So um, with most people, I put them, I give them kind of two categories that they bounce around with. So for example, I am like a vata kapha right now because I'm more in my vata than my kapha. But since I was born kapha, that's, that's also going to be something that I'll go back to. Um, but there are times in my life, like when I'm writing this book, my pitta went up. So I was experiencing pitta in other areas of my life as well. Mm. And what does that look like in other areas of your life? Um, so Pitta is fiery. It is passionate. It is hardworking, disciplined, gets things done. Um, Pittas are really great managers. They're great in leadership positions. They are naturally the ones that people go to when they have like a question. Um, less for like, oh, just help me about my life. Like I need a shoulder to lean on, but more like, hey, can you help me strategize this? That's where you go to Pitta for. So Perfect. Pitta... Pitta comes up when you when you have a role or something that you need to fulfill. It powers you through. But Pitta does not do well with kind of endless situations. Whereas when you're doing therapy for someone, it's an endless situation. There's not really an end goal. It's sort of like you just keep holding space for them and, and hopefully over time they get better. Whereas Pittas, if they were to be a therapist, they would say like, okay, we're going to work together for three months and these are the things you're going to do in these three months. And then at the end of it, we're going to reevaluate and they're going to like have a, a schedule and a structure and like a timeline. And like, that's how the Pitta mind works. It's super structured and analyzed. But at the same time, if things go off their schedule, they snap. And they become impatient and aggravated. So, like, if you've ever seen someone have road rage, that's a pitta person. So, <laughs> pitta is like, you know, if you have too much, if you've ever felt too hot and like overheated on like a hot summer's day, you're like angry. You know, it's like, oh, like I just want to take this off, and like that's your pitta coming up. So, people who naturally have more fire in their bodies are more likely to experience that anger. Mm, I love that. Now, can you do that same with vata? What would that look like in a vata body? Mm -hmm. So vatas are really airy fairy. They go with the flow, you know, like today they want to do this thing with their lives and then maybe tomorrow they'll do something else. So like when you're in a vata time period or you're a vata person, maybe you have your hands in many different honey pots and you're like, I'm a yoga teacher slash writer slash life coach slash jewelry designer slash this slash that. Like, 
a slashy, I like to say. It's like you're slashing bajillion things, which is great because vatas are super creative. But at the same time, if they're dispersing their energy in so many places, it's really hard for them to follow through with that one thing. And vata is very easily excitable. So when they hear something new, they're like, yes, I want to do it. Sign me up. And they're like the first person to do it. And then they're, they're over it. <laughs> they're like, okay, what's the next thing? So vatas, I did another thing about vatas and all the doshas and relationships, but vatas and relationships are like all about that person one day and then like on to the next thing another day. Um, so I know there's a lot of vata men out in LA, but, um, but in the body physically what vata means with that, with that kind of unpredictableness would be in the digestive system. You don't really know what's going to happen. So vatas, their appetites are up and down. They're super regular. They might have one day that they eat a lot, one day that they totally forget to eat. Um, vatas aren't really as dependent on food as the other doshas. They're kind of like, well, I could go without it. Vatas are the people who probably want to do a juice cleanse or like detox their bodies or like go all raw because they love feeling light. They hate feeling grounded. They hate feeling like slumpy and tired. They want to be like, Ooh, like all over the place. But, um, but actually what they need is the opposite. They need to ground down and meditate and sit and like be with themselves and like not be super like windy because if they're too all over the place mentally, it's going to turn into anxiety um, because anxiety is when you're, you're unable to control your thoughts and you're stuck in the future. So vatas are really stuck in the future. Whereas pittas, they're almost too much in the present that they're like angry. And like, all they can think about is like their anger in that moment. They're not thinking about future, what's going to happen. They're not thinking about the past, what has happened. Whereas kaphas are very stuck in the past and they're looking upon, well, oh, my old, old relationship, or what if I had done this in my career? And like, they're super stuck in the past. So Vata's anxiety and insomnia are two issues mentally for them. And then physically bloating, too much air, too much gas is bloating and, and farting, of course. So that is a huge issue for Vata's like eating something and then just like feeling like you're three months pregnant because you're super bloated. I know for me, that was like always the issue. Mm -hmm. um, and then also constipation because the digestifier is so weak that it's unable to break down and eliminate food. So foods become stuck in the gastrointestinal tract and built up over time. So their stools are almost pellet-like, you know, they're like really small and, and dense and dark um, because there's a lack of like digestifier going on in their bodies. Mm, yes. And then what about kaphas? So kaphas Physically, um, as I mentioned, kaphas take in a lot. So kaphas are slow, they're steady, they're good temper, they have a great sense of humor. I like to say they're like grandmother energy. Um, I, like they hold space for everyone, they feed people, they're like, just you just feel love when you're around kaphas. But if you are always taking other people's energies and you don't have a place to take it out, then you're going to be depressed because you need some sort of outlet. So kapha is in our throat. So kaphas have a lot of mucus, phlegm, congestion issues, thyroid issues, anything related to the throat chakra area is related to kapha. So lots of my kapha clients like constantly are, have phlegm and mucus and all of these issues coming up. They get colds and sick all the time. And it's actually because they're not speaking their truths. Mm -hmm. Um, so mentally, a lot of depression and things like that, 
hormone-related issues, if you have acne along your jawline, that's hormonal, and then physically in the body, inability to lose weight, feeling tired and sluggish, having really bad sugar cravings because you need energy, um, unwillingness to work out, and unwillingness to try new things in general. Kaffas are really routine creatures. They like to stick with their habits, and they don't like to make new friends and go to new places and things like that. They're like, you know, I'd rather stick to what I know works, but because of that, they might end up suffering because, you know, they might be in a relationship that's no longer serving them or a job or living in an environment, et cetera. So kafas need more of that fire of like decisiveness and also that wind of change and flow. Mm, yes. I love all of that. And just, I always like hearing a refresher. So, um, you know, about each of the doshas. And I think that everyone, if you're listening and you're kind of like, okay, like one of those might resonate with you. Um, and there are definitely quizzes online to take. I know you have one on your site as well. So if anyone's looking to get a little bit more in-depth analysis, you can always take those um, quizzes and that will kind of give you a, a little bit more clearer picture if you're like, okay, I'm resonating with maybe a pitta. Let me see. Am I? Oh, okay. Yeah, like one problem I had with these quizzes when I was doing Ayurveda online is like, I was like, I don't know, because I feel like this yes. one mentally and that one physically. Yep. So that's why my quiz, I don't know if you've taken it, but I, I did. I the did. the results of the yes. mind and the body because, you know, you're, you're not going to be 100% one thing or another. And I didn't like how these quizzes sort of like lump you in one category. And I also break it down by percentage. So it shows like what percentage vata pits and coffee you are in the mind and what percentage you are in the body. So then you know the suggestions mentally for each dosha are very different than the suggestions physically. So if you have anxiety, but you're also overweight, are you going to follow a vata or kapha diet? You know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I always say follow the diet for what's going on physically, but follow the lifestyle of what's going on mentally. Yes, I like that. And I did think your quiz was very um, comprehensive because I've had a few clients who I, you know, will send just like on um, just sites. I'm like, I'll just Google one. And then they are like, I'm not quite sure what this means. So a lot of times too, if they're not even sure, like the mind body, that connection, they're like, well, what does dry mean? Like even knowing, okay, dry, there's so many ways you could take that, you know? And so kind of really breaking it down like that, you're like, okay, dry, you know, mentally, physically, all of that hair, body, you know, and just thinking of your whole body. Cause I think a lot of times we think very analytically and we're like, well, this is what dry means. We think dry skin, that's the first thing we think of. And that's the only thing that can be dry on our body. Totally. Yeah. And also like our doshas change over time. It's really good to go back and take the quiz again and like see what's changed for you. Because as I mentioned, your vikruti, what you have today is different than your prakriti. So things like the shape of your face and like how you gain weight or not, those are things that you were handed with, but like your dreams and things like that, they change all the time. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what are some tips for eating for your dosha? So if you are a Vata, so basically in Ayurveda, like attracts like. So you need to counterbalance what's going on with your body with foods of the opposite quality. So if you are a Vata and you're experiencing the bloating, the constipation, the gas, you're feeling cold, dry skin, etc., the Vata physical symptoms, um, then you need a more warming and grounding diet. So warming and grounding, what does that mean? Well, first of all, cooked foods. Vatas do not do well with raw foods because if you look at a leafy green, it's so light. It's like weightless. It's so windy. It flows in the wind. So if you eat that, you're going to take on those qualities and that's not what vatas need. Vatas need more stability. So root vegetables. Root vegetables are grown under the ground and they literally have grounding properties because that's they, 
our roots. Mm -hmm. So we need to think what can root me down. So sweet potatoes, butternut squash, uh, parsnip, turnips, carrots, beets, anything in the root vegetable family is going to be really good for vatas and having it warming and cooked, making soups with it, doing it in like a baked something or a stir fry. Um, and then also you can add in traditional Ayurveda says if you have really bad digestive issues and you should not do beans because it, it might be just too hard to digest, but you can do mung beans. They're, it's called mung dal, but um, they're actually pulses. They're not technically. Those are my favorites. <laughs> yeah. So I have a, a kitchery cleanse. It's a three-day kitchery cleanse on my website, but I've like changed. So a traditional kitchery cleanse is um, the Ayurvedic detox method. It's the world's oldest detox, but traditionally it's done with mung dal, these, these mung beans, these pulses, with rice cooked with um, ghee and different herbs and spices. And then you just eat that. And that's what they give you in India when you're sick and things like that, because it's like super easy to digest. But I changed mine in my kitchen cleanse and I added in, like I switched the rice with the quinoa and I kind of changed around. I added in some like macrobiotic ingredients. Mm. And I find that my vatas do super well with it because what their bodies really need is just a break from like trying so hard to like digest all these foods, especially vatas are naturally gravitate towards cold and dry foods. So because they're cold and dry, they like crackers and granola bars and smoothies and salads and things like that. But what they really need is something super warm, soft, easy to digest, and to really build their digestive fire again. Mm, yes. And what about pittas? So pittas have a, too much fire in them. So they sort of have the opposite problem of what's going on with the vata. So the vatas, they eat something and their digestive fire, digestive fire is your digestive system. Um, it's not going anywhere. It's just kind of sitting there and getting stuck. And that's why they get bloated and constipated. Whereas pittas, it's like their fire is like, Blah! and it's like they start spitting out all this like acid and like enzymes and like all these things it's like what can i do break it down so pittas experience diarrhea a lot of the times because the food just goes right through them and doesn't even get a chance to be assimilated into nutrients um so for what pittas need to do is cool down the fire Another way fire shows up is in hyperacidity, like heartburn. Um, so pittas, like for my boyfriend, for example, he's super pittas, and I found a lot. I find a lot of men are pittas. Um, I was thinking my husband. Yeah, but like he eats something and he's like, "Oh, I know this is going to give me heartburn." I'm like, "So yep. why don't you do it?" But he's like, "Oh, because it tastes good." And so pittas have this sort of like edge that like they can get away with eating things because their digestive fire is so strong that things that like a vata or cough would be like oh like that hurts they're like oh i can handle it but when the stomach acid gets it's just too much they experience the heartburn and the acidity which later leads to ulcers mm -hmm. and um leaky gut is like like kind of way before it turns into ulcers, but a lot of us have it. 80% of us, they estimate have it. It's like little mm. holes in your gut. And that makes the yeast, the candida overgrowth that's in your gut, leave and circulate in your bloodstream. And then candida leads to more sugar cravings and feeling sluggish and low in energy and all of these things. So, so many of us have candida and it's because our guts don't, and a lot of it comes from improper food combining. For example, in Ayurveda, and they say you should never eat starchy foods with animal products. Ayurveda is a traditionally vegetarian diet, but the Sharaka Samhita, which is the text that Ayurveda is based off of, also gives, if you are to eat meat, these are the best for each dosha. Mm. So it says, if you are to eat meat, 
then do not have it with starches. Whereas almost every kind of meat that we can imagine is paired with starches. And when an animal product is including fish, even including dairy, none of those should be with starches. So like a sandwich, mm-hmm. like a turkey, cheese, and bread sandwich. That's the worst food combining ever. And that's how over time we create leaky gut and digestive issues. That's so, what my husband just had for lunch today. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. so what pittas need is more cooling. They need more mint leaves and coconut water and chlorophyll. And so in traditional Ayurveda, they don't recommend raw foods. But, you know, a lot of that is because no one in India eats raw foods. You can't eat raw foods. In yeah. India. Go to India. There's no such thing as a salad. They used to call me the cow because I would eat salads. They're like, oh, you cow. Um, but you can't because there's so much bacteria in the soil that you will get sick. Even if you were born and raised in India, you cannot eat salads there. So Ayurveda was written in India, in Northern India. So obviously they're going to say don't eat raw foods because they're trying to protect the people there. Whereas mm-hmm. now our soil is very different in the United States and many other parts of the world. So I do believe that you can eat raw foods and still eat Ayurvedically. And I believe the best people to eat raw foods are pittas. So I recommend pittas have at least one big leafy green salad per day and have like avocado avocados and just like really cooling and detoxifying vegetables. And I find that they feel so much better because too much cooked food for pitas is just going to make them too overheated. Mm, yes. So a question on this, mostly for myself on this one, but other people might have this. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, so I'm primarily pitta in body type, but digestion is more vata. So mm-hmm. how would you eat according to that? So you feel, you tend to feel hot but you suffer no, from like- I'm always cold. Okay. But I have more, I would tend more towards the constipation side. And that's always been like, I, my vata digestion is there, mm-hmm. but I can get away with eating like in terms of body type, like I put on muscle pretty easily and um, I can get away with eating stuff and I don't feel like that stuff that vatas and kaphas would feel. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a weird thing in there. So you have a pitta prakriti, a lot of pitta in your prakriti, meaning you're born with a lot of pitta, but right now you probably have a vata imbalance. Probably. If you're feeling constipation, because it's not a typical pitta thing. So that would be life, like that would be a lifelong thing for me, because that's where I'm always, which I did not even know it was a thing that you were supposed to go to the bathroom every day. When I was in high school, I remember they asked us this at our physical, and I said uh, that she would ask, when was the last time I went to the bathroom? I was like, oh gosh, like a week ago? And she was like, you're supposed to poop every day. I was like, what? I did not know this. And that's just been me forever. It's just never. That's how Do I've you eat a been. lot of vata foods, like cold and dry foods? I love me some salads. So you eat a lot of salads? And soups. That's all I had all winter. Soups okay. and salads. And you were still feeling constipated? Oh, yeah. When was there a time in your life that you didn't feel constipated? I don't what even remember. Like, I don't think, I, maybe when I was really little, but yeah, not, not since at least 16. Have you ever taken the salads out of your diet? Yes. And does anything change? No. How long did you take them out for? I would say I'd never ate salads until probably more recently, even in my diet. Okay. Um, 
I mean, I would take a look at your diet and like go break down into it. We can do it on the podcast. You can do it later. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I would say follow a Vata pacifying diet, meaning bring down your Vata. Cause if you're not going, if you're going to the bathroom once a week, that's like, no, it's better now. It is okay. like maybe every other day now, but it used to be really bad. Well, cause think about it. If you're going to the bathroom every other day, then that food that you're eating, it's like two days worth of food that you're carrying on. So there's obviously you're, and you don't experience heartburn or anything like that, right? No. And your cold, and your cold, your digestive fire is just very, very weak right now. Yes. Um, because especially if you're, you're feeling the cold symptoms as well is basically you're eating food and it's getting stuck there. So what I would do for you is I would say, do a Kitri cleanse at least three days. Um, you can do mine. I can send it to you. Um, but do that for a few days just to give your body a chance to like relax and heal. I've had clients do the, the Kitri cleanse for like a month. Cause it's, it's not like a juice cleanse that you're like missing out on nutrients. You're still, you're probably eating more nutrients than you normally do. It's just, it has all of the medicinal spices in there, like the ginger and the cumin and things like that to build up your digestive fire. And I would drink the CCFT every day. So I call it the CCFT. It's cumin, cardamom, and fennel seeds. Half a teaspoon of each in a cup of water. Drink that throughout the day, and that's going to help rebuild your digestive fire. Mm, that is also good to know because I'm sure there's other people who also struggle with this, but they don't necessarily. Say yeah, it. I mean, so my, I just announced it on the podcast. So no, my go-to is always constipation. I, my whole life. Since I was a baby, I was always constipated. So I totally know how you feel. And also the herb Trifala, Ayurvedic herb, mm. um, T-R-I-P-H-A-L-A. Um, you can get it on Amazon. I like Organic India's. There's other companies that do it too, but um, really good for regularity. And it's not a laxative in the same way that Senna and stuff like that are. Um, it basically just rebuilds your digestive fire, which naturally allows you to like release stools. I take it every single day and I love it. And I never have like the stomach aches and stuff that when you take a laxative and once I started taking it, I've never been constipated since. That's good to know. Yeah. So that hopefully that helps people out there who also probably are struggling with that. Take Trifala and drink CCFT. <laughs> yes. So then let's wrap up with the kapha on the nutrition. What would kaphas need to do? Sure. So kaphas are really grounded and earthy. So they tend to gain weight easily. They're the most likely to have high blood sugar levels, diabetes, obesity, issues like that. So what they really need to do is lighten up their diet. Um, they need more spices. They need more stimulation, not only mentally, but also physically. So lots of ginger and turmeric and cumin and all of these like Typical spices that when you go to an Indian store, these are all, this is medicine in Ayurveda. Ayurveda mm. became a kitchen science because when the British took over in India, they outlawed Ayurveda. And they said, this is super barbaric and primitive and you're not allowed to practice this anymore. And Ayurveda used to be the leading health system is what they practiced everywhere. And it went underground. So they had to learn how to heal their bodies with common everyday spices. And that's how these foods were formulated. Um, so spices are the most medicinal for kapha. So anything that you're eating, like throw some turmeric on there, throw some cumin on there, like try to get your spices in, stay away from dairy. Dairy is like the number one thing that brings up kapha because kapha is cold. It is heavy. It's clammy. And that's what dairy is too. It's mucus building. It's like everything that kapha's have too much of. So staying away from dairy products and sugar, 
Um, sugar builds, you know, kids crave sugar because they're building their bodies and they can get away with eating it. But as we get older, if we have too much coffee, our, our body still thinks, oh, I need to keep building, but it actually doesn't. And it gets stored as fat. So they really need to bring down their, sh their sugar levels. In Ayurveda, there are six tastes. They're sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. So kaffas need more of the bitter, pungent, and astringent. So bitter foods like Brussels sprouts, leafy greens, asparagus, things like that. Pungent foods, turmeric, onions, garlics, things like that, which are also anti-candida. And then um, astringent foods. Astringent is a taste that less of us are familiar with. It is more of like the puckering sensation in your mouth. Like if you have like a tart cranberry or a pomegranate or even asparagus or something that's like like a not ripe banana, that's astringent. And astringent also helps break down fat cells. So they need more of that and they need less sweet foods, which is also carbohydrates and breads and even rice. Ayurveda does not recommend coffees do rice all the time. Mm. Um, less of the salty foods because salty creates water retention. And also they say less of the sour foods, but for me, I don't really see the purpose of that because I think lemons can be really beneficial for kapha. So I would say they should also do, do sour, but in the traditional Ayurvedic text, they say do not. So it's really your interpretation of it, but definitely staying away from dairy and sugar products will really help with kapha. Um, I'm someone who's naturally more kapha. I can gain weight super easily. Um, so for me, I don't, I don't eat rice. I don't eat much beans and stuff like that. I follow more like of a high fat diet, which isn't traditional Ayurvedic, but really helps me stay satiated and not have those sugar cravings. Mm. So is there any like nutrition rules um, overall for all three doshas, like hit up like coffee, alcohol, dairy, uh, gluten, all of those? Is there anything like that that affect all three? Totally. Yeah. So well, the food combining rules apply for everyone. I have like a free food combining chart that's available for download on my website. Um, and the website is eatfeelfresh.com. Eatfeelfresh.com. And you click on free gifts. There's like a bunch of little like guides and eBooks and this and that. Um, so there's like a food combining one, which I printed out and I, and I, taped it onto my refrigerator so my boyfriend can see it every time he eats. <laughs> He's like, it doesn't make sense. I'm like, guys, it's right there. But, um, so food combining rules apply. Um, drinking warm water throughout the day. Ayurveda says you should take a sip of warm room temperature to hot water every 20 minutes. Do not ever drink ice water for any of the doshas, even for pittas. Do not drink iced anything. Ice in your smoothies, iced coffee. Ice is not good for the digestive fire. It inhibits it. Whereas if you drink warm water throughout the day, you're constantly hydrating your colon, which allows it to create more enzymes, allowing you to digest your food better. So drinking warm water, like at restaurants, the first thing I do is I ask for hot water with lemon. Never mm. drink the cold, the cold or iced water. And I used to do smoothie like with all these frozen fruits and then I'd add ice to and all these things. And I would feel super bloated throughout the day. And it was because, you know, your digestion is your fire. So if you're putting ice over your fire, especially mm -hmm. first thing in the morning, the rest of the day, your digestion is going to be super low. So think about building that fire constantly, feeding it not too much at a time, but like giving it spices, giving it the warming foods, giving it the grounding foods. And that's how you're going to have all the energy and digestive, you know, we eat so many amazing foods throughout the day, but really we only absorb the nutrients of a small percentage of it. So the better your digestion, the more nutrients you can absorb and the better you're going to feel. And it's like more bang for your buck. Mm. 
guess. I swear my husband looked at me crazy when I took our Brita and I just leave it on the countertop now instead of having it in the fridge. And now he's used to it, but he just, he still likes cold water. He isn't convinced for himself. So he leaves a cup in the fridge for him, but me and my son always just have the warm water. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's like kind of addicting. It's like very cooling at that time and you feel like you're getting refreshed, but actually your body has to emit much more energy to heat it back up again and then you actually get hotter and then you're dependent on cold water it's just like air conditioning people who use the air conditioning all the time become addicted to it mm, yes uh, so what are some ways that you've made ayurveda fit into a modern lifestyle so well i just did a really fun e-course with the dailyohm.com i don't know if you know that website no i haven't been there Oh my gosh. So daily ohm is like, I think it's like the largest database of e-courses for all things like holistic health and yoga and like spirituality and stuff. I think so, I see um, their advertising on Facebook. So I am targeted because I have seen them that way. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. They're advertising everywhere. So I just did an e-course with them and it's like really simplifying it. But I always say start from the ground up. I also have in my 12 week program, I always start with breakfast. Mm -hmm eat the right breakfast for your doshas, make that become a habit. Don't worry about the other meals. However long it takes, might take you a day, might take you a month, might take you a year just to get your breakfast down. Then work for lunch, then go towards dinner. That way that previous meal has become habitual and then you're not like, oh my God, I need to change my entire lifestyle overnight. And I have found that that works so much better than me throwing them a meal plan of like, this is how you're gonna eat from now on because it's like your eating habits are so emotional and they're so close to your heart. And like the way that we eat is not just, we're not like machines that like we can just like change how we eat overnight. It has so much to do with like how we grew up eating, what, how our taste buds have evolved and things like that. So that's why the traditional Ayurvedic diet for me was not appealing because I did not grow up eating these kind of foods. Like I grew up in Boston. I grew up eating junk food all the time. So for me, switching to that sort of diet was like really strange and weird. So I say go for baby steps. You know, maybe it's just like not drinking cold water this week. And then maybe next week it's not having your smoothie first thing in the morning. And then maybe the week after that it's, you know, going to sleep a little earlier, waking up earlier. And then maybe after that, you know, there's so many little things that you can do. And then before you know it, you're going to, everything's going to become a routine that it's just no longer even an effort for you. Mm, yes. That's kind of what I did. I did it flipped in the reverse. I started with my dinners and then I kind of went to lunch and then I'm still working on my breakfast. I haven't found exactly what I want because I need something grab and go other ways. Like I just don't have time to make anything. So yeah, and also Ayurveda does not recommend everyone eats breakfast or everyone eats dinner. Like if you're a coffee type, you should not even be eating three meals a day. And no snacking. No snacking for any of yep. the doshas. The only exception is like vatas if like they're like feeling really faint or low in blood pressure. But when you start snacking, your digestive process has to start from scratch again. Your digestion has six stages. So let's say you ate food like two hours ago and it's still like in stage three where it's like stomach acid and enzymes and things like that. And then you eat, then it has to go back to stage one. So that food becomes stuck. So this whole mentality of like, you need to eat every two hours to like stimulate your metabolism doesn't make sense because what happens is your digestion gets weaker and your digestion is in charge of your metabolism. So over time, it's not even going to help your metabolism. So Ayurveda recommends eat until you're satisfied, wait until you're hungry and eat again, which seems really radical, but it's like the way you <laughs> ate for like thousands of years. <laughs> and it does take time because that's where people, if they're used to snacking, because 
most of us, I mean, in the Western world now, it's what you were told and taught for how many years. And now it's just kind of coming around that, oh, maybe that isn't good for us, but our bodies get used to it. So removing oh, yeah. those People snacks are, there. Their breakfast, morning snack, lunch, yes. snack, pre-dinner, dinner, dessert, midnight <laughs> snack. It's like, like, when are you not digesting? You know, like no wonder like people's digestive fires are an overload at that point. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they say, take this for your heartburn, take this for your acid reflux. And it's like, well, just maybe wait four hours between your meals. Mm, Yes. Have the body heal itself. Yes. So can you tell me a little bit more about your upcoming 12 week Ayurveda course? Yeah, so it's it's already available. Um, it's on Eat Feel Fresh. It is a course that you can start at any time. And as soon as you start, you start getting like the weekly videos and meal plans and PDFs. And it's basically like everything that I wish I had when I wanted to study Ayurveda and I just like didn't know who to turn to because no one really resonated with my point of view. I came from obviously like a more modern, studied sports nutrition and things like that. I wanted to see the research. I wanted to see actually didn't make sense. Um, so I created this program that is over 12 weeks, teaches you step-by-step on how to integrate ancient Ayurvedic wisdom into your modern busy lifestyle, but it's also plant-based and vegan. Traditional Ayurveda is very heavy in, in ghee and paneer, which is cheese and things like that. So um, it has everything from journaling exercises to meditations, to like healing your relationship with food, to like choosing the right kinds of water, like everything that you need to know in order to live this kind of lifestyle. And it gets emailed to you every week, a new module. So it's something that you can do from anywhere at your own time. Mm, yes. Cause I'm like, Oh, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I would be game for doing another Ayurveda course. Cause I just love deep dive learning into it and kind of taking what I can and teaching people yes, kind of in the fitness because sure. I have the yoga and I'm also a personal trainer. So I have kind of that unique blend. Plus I love Ayurveda. So it's super mm-hmm. oddballish, but this is where I'm trying to like break it down to people like the early lighter dinners and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, so many personal trainers that like I see, they are told to tell people to eat a certain way. Like these trainers here at my gym, they're like, you need to be eating this much protein and this many carbs. And they don't know. They've never studied nutrition. They're doing the the best that they can, but it's like, it just doesn't make sense. It's like telling everyone that the same workout is going to work for everyone. It doesn't. That's where it used to drive me nuts because I've been been in the industry now for over 10 years. And that's where I'm like, I I always hated talking nutrition with people until I learned Ayurveda. And then I'm like, this makes sense to me. Like I can grasp and get behind this where nothing ever before I could, I just couldn't get behind it. I'm like, I can't tell you what to eat. Cause I don't know enough about you. I really have to get in there. Whereas this, I'm like, okay, we can go forwards. If we know your dosha and I can help you with any of those, you know, if they share their, if they're constipated and all that stuff with me, like we can go forwards with this. Totally. Yeah. Like I had this trainer and like, he was giving me the same diet and lifestyle and stuff that he practices. And he's like a mesomorph male. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, we're the opposite. And like I was like trying to do like lift all these like huge heavy weights, like do all these like barbell squats and stuff. And I was not only, I was not gaining muscle. I was gaining fat. My body fat percentage was going up despite mm-hmm. doing all of these workouts and stuff that he told me to do. And it's cause I was putting my body in a severe state of stress and mm-hmm. like, my metab, my adrenals were like, what the hell is going on? Like for me, for my body type, it's just, that's not the right way to work out for me. And also it wasn't paying attention to like, you know, as like vatas have a lot of like bone things going on. Like my hips can hurt all the time. My wrists are really sensitive and things like that. So it's very different than like a power lifter's physique. 
Oh, yes. That's where I work on that. I have a guide that I did for working out for your dosha because of that. Because I'm like, oh, if it helps you kind of get aligned with what you're doing and knowing that. And it's just teaching people to know why knowing your dosha is important. Totally. So where can we connect with you online? So my Instagram, which is where you found me, is like my home. I love it there. Um, but it's Eat Feel Fresh. And I'm always posting. If you go on Instagram stories, I like always will have like 5,000 stories up. I show like everything from what I'm cooking to my favorite products and things like that all the time on Instagram. I have Facebook too, Eat Feel Fresh. YouTube now. Um, I'm like getting my YouTube game started again. So I just put three videos up. One about how the doshas are in relationships. One how they handle stress. And then one about like my personal tips to like managing your time. And I'm just going to add a lot. And there's, there's like full videos about each dosha and candida and like all of these issues that I talked about, you can find on my YouTube page. And then my website also eatfeelfresh.com has tons, has the quiz we mentioned, the free gifts page, recipes, articles, and everything. So basically just eat, feel fresh all around and you'll find stuff. Yes. And her Instagram stories are quite funny. I did see your McDonald's one on April Fool's Day and it didn't even like click and register. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then when you're like, there are some great healthy choices here now. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like I was, I was kind of like, okay, uh, yeah. okay. Do I, maybe I shouldn't have asked her to be in the podcast. Oh my God. I know. And like, then I kept watching. I was like, oh my gosh, totally had me. I forgot it was April Fool's Day. <laughs> I know people were like, cause I don't, I don't know. Like if when people unfollow me or not, but I'm like pretty sure like hundreds of people unfollowed me because they didn't, because I didn't look through. Because I was like getting all these messages like, I know this is a sponsored post by McDonald's. I'm like, keep watching. Like, of course I would not do that. It was like hilarious because it's like the the last thing people would expect, like someone clicking them on their Instagram story. So uh, it, it was really good. I liked it. <laughs> So final couple questions. I always like to ask everyone, what does peaceful power mean to you? Mm, peaceful power reminds me kind of, of like humble warrior. I, I see that. Um, I see Pitta and I sort of see Tridoshic because peaceful is Kapha. Power is Pitta, but the peaceful and power together reminds me of Vata. So it's sort of like all of the doshas and all of the elements coming together where you can have that strength and that courage, but at the same time, keep it to yourself and like know when to bring it out and when not to. It's sort of like, like a, a karate master. He has so much power, but at the same time, he's so disciplined. Mm, that is great. I love that. I love that you incorporated the doshas into it as well. Yeah. So last question, I always like to have, um, give the listeners a challenge for the week. And when I have guests, I usually have you guys throw out a challenge to them. So what would you like the challenge to be this week? Hmm. I think a good challenge for this week is to say no to ice water. Cause we talked about that and drink the CCFT cumin, cor uh, cardamom. You can also do coriander too. It could be CCCF. They're all Ayurvedic. But we'll do cumin, cardamom, and fennel seeds. Half a teaspoon of each, put it in a cup of water and drink that. You can make a big batch of it the night before, just steep in a bunch of the spices in hot water, and then just drink that throughout the day so you don't have to keep making a new batch and see how you feel digestive-wise. Mm, that's a great one. I will put that in the show notes if yeah. everyone wants that recipe. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you on, Sahara. This is such a great, I love this topic, and I hope people got a lot out of this interview. 
Oh, definitely. Well, thank you so much for having me and providing the space and, you know, creating dialogue around this discussion. It's so needed. Yes. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the Peaceful Power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.